Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, my name is Amy Winkle. I am the associate or interim associate priest um, and just thankful that we get to be here on this daylight savings morning. So welcome. Does anybody know what time it is? I'm not sure, um, but I do. Uh, but no, it's good to, to be here as we continue our Lenten season um, and continue to, as, we, as we're walking through Lent, we're stepping away from the lectionary and talking about specific spiritual disciplines. So Jenny started us off um, two weeks ago talking about fasting. And then um, we had Patrick here last week talking to us about prayer um, in very practical ways, which was um, a real gift. And so today we're going to go and talk about study, um, specifically around studying the Bible and so I hope that um, we can get just as practical this week um, at, while also kind of looking at the big picture and then like digging in a little bit more as well. So before we kind of talk some about specific ways to study the Bible, um, I want us to talk more broadly about like why. Why do we study, study the Bible? Um, what is the Bible for? So depending on your background, um, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, depending on like, you know, what type of church did you, denomination that you grew up in, there might have been different ideas about what the Bible is actually for and why we study it. But I just want to so say a few things about that to start. So the Bible is for this. The Bible is meant to reveal to us the triune God who our God is. And it's meant to tell us the truth about ourselves, who we are as humans. And it is meant to, to reveal to us how, we're, how we are meant to be in relationship with God. And so to start our time off today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. And the gift of the, of the word is that it also tells us what it's about <laughs> or what it's here for. And so let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, looking at um, verses 12 and 13. Indeed, the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, no creature is hidden, but all are, are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I think it's interesting that scripture tells us that the word of God is living and active. These are not just words on a page, but actually are, um, are, are happening. Like are, there's an activeness to them. There is a, a relevance to them in our lives today. Even though scripture was written so long ago, it doesn't mean that it just kind of like is dead now. But it's actually living and active. And that's what we're going to talk about as we walk through our time together today. Um, I, want, I want you to think for yourselves, like how have you experienced the Bible as being living and active? I mean, are there times in your life that you can point to to say, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like that rings true to me in my life. Maybe even in times when it felt dry when you were trying to read the Bible. And yet you still knew that God was doing something. He was working in you in a certain particular way. So I wanted to start off before we like kind of get into, you know, the practicalities of this. I do want to share with you part of my story around scripture, around the Bible specifically, and kind of what has, has set a trajectory for my life. Um, so when I was in college, um, there, I went through a really, I was going through a pretty hard time during that time um, when I actually, as I would say, hit a, a, an extremely low point. 
um, a point in my life when I really wasn't sure kind of how to move forward and what life was going to look like for me. Just to the point where it brought me to an, an amazing time of submission to God, of basically saying, unless you show up and do something in me and in my life and in my heart, I'm not sure I can go on. And it was in that place that the Lord met me. I can't really tell you how, <laughs> um, but he changed my life. The things that were holding me and, and holding me in bondage were broken, and I walked out of that, that bondage, that cage that I had been in for several years. And he brought freedom in ways that I hadn't experienced before. Now, I had grown up in church and I had, um, and, and, you know, had a relationship with the Lord, had read my Bible. Um, but, then, but then this particular time of my life, something changed. The Bible became something else to me. Because even though I had found freedom in Jesus, I still was grappling with, like, who is God? Who am I? And also, like, I am a broken and hurt person. I am sitting in a lot of pain right now, and I need help. Like, I need the Lord to come and do a work in me. So during that time, and this was in the early 90s, and so and I was in the, we, I grew up in the evangelical church, which was a time um, in the life of the evangelical church when uh, counseling was still at a point of being suspect. <laughs> if anybody grew up in that tradition, you know what I mean. Um, and so my parents did their best to find me a counselor um, who I could sit with. And um, I will say, um, humbly, that I've had better counseling experiences since then, um, but the grace of that space for me was this, to, to read your Bible. And I think he even pointed me to Ephesians 1. And he said, I want you to sit in Ephesians 1. And I want you to see who God is and recount, literally write out, I think he told me, the promises of God. And so I did. And I mean, and here again, this is one of those great mysteries of the Lord. I can't explain what happened except that my life started to change dramatically. And I not only like read scripture, but I like dove in like full force <laughs> to, this, to this living and active word that was like pouring living water into my soul to say there is a God who loves me, who has saved me, and who is healing me in the person of Jesus. And so I came to know Jesus in a deeper and deeper way through his word. And I, I look back on some of those journals, and I mean, I was all over the place. Like, at some point I was in Habakkuk. Like, I have no idea what the Lord was speaking to me through Habakkuk. But I mean, he can. I'm not saying can. <laughs> but I'm like, wow, like that, you know, um, that was like a really special time between me and the Lord. And also set me on a real trajectory in my life. Now, by nature, like my my top strength, strength finders wise, is learner. So by nature, I am a learner. Um, but in the course of my life since then, reading and studying scripture is a lifeline for me. And it hasn't always been easy. Um, at times it is dry, and at times it's hard, and, some, and sometimes it's just weird, you know? Like you get in there and you're like, what in the world, Lord, are you talking about? And yet, it is my love of the Lord that brings me back to it time and time again because that is where I found him over and over, where he's shown up in my life to speak a word to me, to my soul. 
And so I say that to us as we start today to say, like, we're going to talk about, you know, some really practical things, and yet there's real work that's happening that we can trust that when we show up to Scripture that the Lord shows up to us. And so we approach the study of Scripture believing that it means that um, the Spirit of God can mold us and change us, that it's a way that God can convict us and heal us and meet us. And so as we start, I want us to talk about posture. It's not about just showing up, but it's about how we show up. What is our posture toward our Bibles? And so what I would submit to you is that we study the Bible not only with our heads, but with our hearts. And our posture matters. So Robert Mulholland says in his book, Shaped by the Word, he says, we come to the text with an openness to hear, to receive, to respond, to be a servant of the Word, rather than a master of the text. Do you hear that? I think a lot of times, like, when the way that we are taught to learn is to try to master something, right? Like, if I can, like, grab hold of it and master it, then I can control it and, and figure it out, and it all will make sense all of the time. And if that is how we are coming to our Bibles, then we are missing something. We are not meant to master the text, lord over it. We are meant to submit to the text instead. And in doing so, there is an interplay between our heads and our hearts that we trust that by submitting to the text that God will do a transformative work in us that he wants to do. So before we move forward, I want us to pause here for a minute and ask some questions. I want to ask you to think about the primary way that you approach the Bible. Would you say that you approach it, but it's a helpful exercise for all of us, I think, to think about, um, and, and also like just kind of how you were grown up to, uh, reading the Bible. If it's more of an intellectual exercise for you, my question for you today is how might you engage your heart more in the reading of the text? If reading the text is more of an emotional approach for you, how might you engage your head more? What would that look like? And then for all of us, are we trying to master the text? Meaning, like, can we just find meaning? Like, what in the world does this text mean? And if I can figure out what it means, then I'm good. I'm done. The text. And to let it form us and believe that it actually can, that it can do a work in our lives. So we're going to talk about um, a few approaches to studying Scripture today that all embody this posture of letting the Lord form us into the Word. So I want us to uh, talk about three different ways that we can study the Bible. So the first one is a narrative reading. So in a narrative reading, we recognize that the, the Bible is, full, is a full story, and we want to seek to understand that story. So when we read certain parts of the text, what we want to do is to kind of step back and think about how this part of the text fits within the full narrative of Scripture, the meta-narrative, as we call it, of Scripture, to say that this, this particular passage is not just an isolation, but that it needs to be read in light of the rest of Scripture as well. Also a part of narrative reading is to recognize that when we come to our Bibles, it is a cross-cultural experience. Now, sometimes we get tripped up 
when we start reading our Bible and thinking it's one-to-one. Now, it's, it's just the case that we all take our worldview and the way that we see the world into our reading of the text. We're just going to do it. That's what we do. But what we want to do is be aware that we're doing that. <laughs> and also aware at the same time that the Bible is written long ago in a very different culture and context than what we live in today. And so the more that we can try to understand the context of, that the Bible was written and understand that we, when we're reading, it is a cross-cultural experience, it will help us tremendously to be faithful readers of the text. And so I just want um, to mention those two things as a way to think about this idea of narrative reading. Narrative reading is like recognizing the story of the text, but it's also recognizing my own story and what I'm bringing to the text um, as I come to it, that we are not just impartial readers um, as we come to the text. So for us as Anglicans, a way that we participate just naturally in narrative readings is through the daily office. So the daily office is set up to allow us to read through the story, whole story of Scripture, um, either once or twice, uh, every one or two years, actually. So when we do those readings, um, I, I invite you to do this. Here's a way that you can engage the daily office in like kind of a narrative reading kind of way. When you, when you read, ask yourself, how does this text fit into the full narrative of Scripture? What does it tell me about God? What does it tell me about myself or us as humans? And what does it tell me about our relationship with God? So what we get to do when we come to narrative reading of Scripture is that we get to submit ourselves to the wider narrative, to the whole story that reveals to us who God is and what he's doing, and thus how our lives are part of this larger story. Now, I want to say this about the daily office, and it was fun because I had some conversations um, after the last service about people saying, I try to read the whole thing, but it's a lot. And I just want to say to you that right now in this season of my life, I don't read the whole daily office. I read um, the Old Testament text and the New Testament uh, and the, the gospel text. Um, there have been other times in, in my life where I have read the whole daily office. And so the point is, like, where is the invitation from God to you in this season of your life? How are you meant to engage the scripture itself, not just what other people are saying about the Bible, but you encountering it yourself in a very like, personal way and, and um, intimate way with the Lord. Um, and I, I'll mention this too. I, there's, a, there's an app called the Daily Prayer app, and it incorporates all the daily office readings into it. So if you're looking for a way to engage the daily office, that's a way that you can do it pretty easily um, in our 21st century world. <laughs> You know, it's just funny to me to even say that. <laughs> but there's an app for that. There's an app for everything, right? All right. Um, the second way that we can uh, in, in engage with Scripture. Um, and so, uh, there's the first way, which is kind of looking at the big narrative of Scripture. The second way is when we want to look at a specific text and really dive into a certain part of Scripture um, in deeper study. So for this, like for me, like when I'm, preparing for a sermon or for a class or just like in a, a scripture that I really want to dive into in a deeper kind of way. What I look to is to inductive Bible study. What inductive Bible study does, it helps us to slow down and to concentrate on what the text actually says before we try to ascribe meaning to it. And so what we're trying to do here is ask the question first, what does the passage say? Before we ask, what does it mean? Now, here again, depending on your background, 
A lot of times it's easy for us to read a text and all of a sudden we're just like, well, what does that mean? And that's not a bad question. But when you feel that question coming up in you, what I would challenge you to do is to stop and to say, okay, before I ask that question, what does the passage actually have to say? What is it saying to me? What this does is it helps us to hear the passage afresh in a new way and maybe to see things in the text that we haven't seen before. Because the reality for all of us is that when we come to a text, it's really easy to be like, oh, I heard a sermon on this one time. I know what that means. Or, oh, I read a book on this one time. I know what that means. Or, oh, the Lord has used this verse meaningfully in my life in another time, like in a, in a previous time in my life. I know what this, this passage means. But do we believe that God can speak to us fresh today? Do we believe that he has something new to say to us in, in the season of the life where we are right now? And inductive Bible study is a way to not like discount what we've heard before, but also, to, but instead to slow down, be aware of what those, those messages are in our mind and to like say, is there something new here for me? So the way that we do this is that we start with the context of the passage. Look at what comes before, what comes after. We ask ourselves, what do we know about the book as a whole? Is there something within the book as a whole that helps us to understand the passage we're working with? And then we work through the passage slowly, word by word, phrase by phrase, sentence and paragraph. All right, so the first, um, there's a couple of stages to inductive Bible study. So first is this observation stage. So um, the way this works is I get out a sheet of paper well, I mean, I pull up my laptop and get out a Word document. But anyway, um, and I make three columns. So the first column is observation. The second column is questions. And the third column is possibilities. And then I walk through the passage slowly, making observations, asking questions, thinking about possibilities. So I want us to do this together, um, looking at our passage in Hebrews 4. So Hebrews 4, chapter, uh, chapter 12, um, starts with the word indeed. Now, if I come to the word indeed, I'm guessing that there's something that has come right before this that is helpful for me to understand what's, what's going to happen in this passage, right? So if, like, somebody's talking about something, something, and then they're like, indeed, da 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 you know? All right, so that's my first observation, is to say, indeed is a word that makes me have to go backward, and say, okay, what, what came before? So that's my, so that's my observation, indeed, um, the word indeed. And then my questions around that are, what came before? What is the author? What did the author say before this that now he's trying to highlight in this particular passage? What do I need to know that's already happened in the text? And then I move to, and, and with possibilities, you may not always have possibilities. Like those are kind of, you know, just there to hold, hold ideas that you might have. And don't you love that it's called possibilities and not figured out? I just love that. Because like, it's hard to look at a passage sometimes and be like, oh, I got it figured out. I know the answer here. That is more challenging. But I can look at it and go, there's some possibilities here. Like that feels more open to me. So anyway, um, that was just for free. <laughs> um, all right, so indeed. Now, then it says the word of God. All right, so that's my next observation is that it moves to the word, not just the word, but the word of God. All right, so now I'm going to move to my questions and say, what does that mean? Oh, sorry, I just did it, didn't I? Not that, what did that mean? What is it saying? Why the word of God? 
What is, what, is, what is the author speaking to? Are there other places in the Bible where it refers to the word of God? And what is it talking about when it talks about the word of God? Does the author use that phrase, word of God, somewhere else in the text? You see? Like you hear, you hear the questions that are coming up? And so then that's where I can move to my possibilities, do some word searches, that kind of thing, to see what's there. Living and active. The word of God is living and active. How is it living? How is it active? Why is it active? What's it doing? Here, like the difference there, I could eat, I mean, I could read that and just fly right through it, right? But when I take it word by word, phrase by phrase, and so then once I've got like my questions and my possibilities, then that's when I can go to other sources. And, and see what other people are saying about this text. But I've already done some of the work myself. So therefore, I've allowed the Holy Spirit to come and speak to me in this passage where I am right now today. And then I can go and look and see what other people are saying about the text, depending on where my questions are. So what are the benefits of this kind of idea of this close, detailed reading? As I've already said, it kind of slows us down so that we can see what the text is saying, rather than rushing to a sense of what does it mean. We can be aware of the other interpretations that we're hearing um, and, and kind of have those, but then open ourselves, our mind, our heart, and our spirit to things that we haven't seen before. And then also just this idea that we can question the text, not, not whether it's true or not, but we can ask questions about it in a way that feels okay and feels safe. I mean, one of the things that I just, I love about like the Jewish rabbis is that they get together and like, debate about what the text actually means. Whoa, that's so cool, right? Like, I don't think we always feel that sense of freedom. We feel like this kind of bound by it sometimes. But the fact that we can come to the, to the text and ask questions and like think about different possibilities, image of God, what it means to be imaginative people and how he has created us. And so I think um, that we really want to be able to, to live into the idea of like looking into these questions and possibilities. All right, so once we kind of have our observations, our questions, our possibilities, we've looked at other sources if we want to, to kind of see what they're saying about it, then we move to interpretation. Now, interpretation is when we, actually, when we ask the question, what does it mean? So, what do I think the text is saying? What do I think it means? And then we move to, to application. How might this text apply to my life right now? And then we start over. Because there's not just one meaning to the text. Because the Spirit may be saying different things at different times. So my professor that taught me inductive Bible study in, um, in seminary, he taught the book of Mark every year. And every year he started with a blank sheet of paper. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. Not because God hadn't already revealed himself to him, and not because, but just the idea that he didn't have it all figured out right there with you, right? Because we're all on a journey with the Lord. We all have like layers of understanding and God is saying us. I get a little bit excited talking about this if y'all can't tell. All right, the other way that we can um, read is um, and study the Bible is together. And so the last type of reading is communal reading of scripture. Now, this is a different thing than what we typically do when we talk about studying scripture. We talk about like getting in your quiet time and reading the Bible on your own. Um, but 
there are ways that we need to read it together. Now, we do that when we come into worship together, right? We read scripture together. We hear it preached. But also, like, sitting around in small groups to be able to read the word and talk about it together. To say, here's what I think it could mean. Here's what the Lord is speaking to me. I need to hear what you're saying. You need to hear what I'm saying. Because you're going to see things in the text that I don't see. And I'm going to see things that you don't see. Because we all bring our own life experience, our own um, our own worldview, our backgrounds with us as we're reading the text. And so therefore, we're going to see different things. So here's what reading together can look like. With a small group of people, I mean, it can look a lot of different ways, but here's one way that you, it could look. You can come together with a small group of people and read aloud, out loud, several chapters of Scripture. And then um, give time for each person to reflect on it themselves and then reflect on it as a group with the question of what did each person hear or experience during the reading. By doing this, we're able to recognize that the word is not just individual, but it's also communal. And therefore, we all have something to bring to the text. So there was one moment for me, um, again, in seminary, that was just like a, a pivotal moment for me around reading the text together. So I was taking a, a class in one of the missions courses, um, and we had... Um, a fellow student who was there from, from Africa. And we were talking about reading the Bible and that sort of thing. And he brought up this really great um, point to us to say, as Westerners, when you read Matthew 1, like the genealogy of Jesus, you know, when you read Matthew 1, you just kind of skip over it, you know, because, like, there's lots of begats, and I, we just don't know what to do with all of that. Um, and he was like, but as an African, when I read Matthew 1, I say, I see Jesus has ancestors, just like I have ancestors. And that makes Jesus a real person to me. And my head about blew off. Because I was like, I have never thought about it that way before. And it actually like sent me there reading the text. Because they're going to read it differently than me. Actually, I did a whole thesis on intercultural readings of the book of Esther. So if anybody's interested, it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> um, but again, like this ways that God can just... Um, invite us into his word in deeper and deeper ways, not like through, through the words on the page and also through one another. And so I want to invite us like in our neighborhood groups this week that to actually like read a good section of scripture together and just see what that experience is like. How might we, how do we experience the text together? What do you see? What do I see? How can we like be iron sharpening iron as we read together? So what I like about each one of these different ways of studying scripture is that it puts us directly in touch with our Bible so that we can see it, we can hear it, we can experience it for ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to do the transformative work um, in us through the word of God. So a couple of things I want us to consider um, as we think about our practices, our st practices around study. Here's what I would ask you or for you to ask yourself even. How much am I reading scripture itself, and how much am I hearing others' interpretations of it? Both are good, but we want to be sure that we are engaging the text directly. And so I would just ask you to look at that. Like, how's your balance, right? How much are you looking at the text directly yourself, and how much are you hearing others' interpretations of it? Secondly, I would like for you to ask yourself, what are my personal practices and my communal practices of reading scripture? Again, both good, 
but where are you in that? Do you have, was like one more than the other? Would it be helpful to like look, look for other ways of engaging the text? And then thirdly, who are the interpretive voices that I'm listening to? And how can they be more diverse? How can I find some, some new voices, some different perspectives to hear that maybe see something in the text that I don't see and make me go deeper? So our hope in studying the Bible is to know God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we might know him more and to see how he wants to mold us and shape us into his people. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give us a great desire to study your word and know your word. Lord, I just pray that we would submit ourselves to you as we study. And God, I just pray that you would meet us in these pages. And that you would meet us in such a way that we become your people. Who know you and love you and follow you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.